think it's important to be kind to other people? Can you think of a time when someone was kind to you, even though you maybe weren't acting as your best self? Maybe when you were feeling mad or sad or angry, but they were still kind to you? Hello everyone, I'm Kathleen Pelly. Welcome to Journey with Story. Today's story, set in long ago Scotland, is about a talented young woodcarver who tames a fierce giant with kindness. It's actually the very first book I ever had published back in 2003. Before I begin, I'd like to ask mums and dads and grown-ups out there whether you're a first-time listener or a loyal weekly listener, if you like my podcast, can you please take a moment to rate, review or share it with others who might enjoy it. Thanks ever so much. Oh, and I'd like to say a huge thank you to two very special listeners whose mum Libby was kind enough to send me their pictures. Willa, thank you for your lovely pictures, one from our story, The King with Horse's Ears, and one from our poem, The Popple Who Has No Toes, and a big thank you to your little brother Josh, who also sent me some great pictures. Let's take a journey with The Giant King, written by Kathleen T. Pelly and published by the Child Welfare League of America. Long ago in Scotland, there once lived a carpenter's son called Rabbi. Every day, Rabbi worked alongside his father, learning how to make tables and chests and cradles that rocked as smooth and gentle as a summer's breeze. Sometimes, when the day's work was done, Rabbi would make his own carvings. Swallows gliding with wings outstretched, a sheepdog its face crumpled with sleep, or a baby snuggled in the crook of a mother's arm. And so lifelike were his carvings that some who saw them swore they could almost hear the rustle of wings or feel the cold, damp nuzzle of a dog. However, do you make such fine figures from a block of old wood? they'd ask. But Rabbi would only shrug. They were in the wood all along, he'd say. I only discovered what was hiding there. Sometimes people would ask Rabbi to make a special carving for a son's birthday or a daughter's wedding and they'd bring along a favourite dog or a soft purring kitten. Can you make a carving of this? they'd ask. Rabbi would bend down and run his hands along the creature's back, stroking and patting and kneading. He'd press his face against its mouth and breathe in. One long, deep breath after another. Finally, he would set to work, whittling and chiseling, until the carving was finished. It's grand, Rabbi, some would say, while others would gasp and cry. But it's too grand to be our dog, Nell. You can't see the gash on her leg or the lump on her ear. Why do you make things better than they really are? But Rabbi would only smile. You see with your eyes, he'd explain, and so you see what is. But I carve with my heart, and so I see what can be, what might be. (sighs) Aye, the lad's a bit of a dreamer, the carpenter would say with a sigh. And the people would nod and smile, but still they paid Rabbi well and hurried off home, clutching their carvings close like a promise. 
As the years passed, Rabbi travelled to other towns and villages, making carvings for wealthy merchants and important lords. Now it happened that one day, while he was staying in a far-off town where the king himself lived, Rabbi saw a great commotion there. Crowds of people scurried to and fro in a terrible froth of confusion as a mighty giant thundered through the marketplace. Roaring and bellowing the giant capsized stalls, toppled over tables and smashed crates of fruit and barrels of grain. Some of the people huddled together, white-faced and trembling, while others ran after the giant, shaking their fists and cursing him. Some even picked up cabbages and huddled them at the giant's legs. Get back to your cave, you beast, they shouted. With one blood-curdling roar, the giant heaved two crates of turnips onto his shoulders and lumbered out of the marketplace, down the path that led to the mountain called Ben Cullen. Who is that man? Rabbi asked, turning to the group of townspeople at his side. He's not a man, growled the innkeeper. He's a brute, a monster, an animal. His name is Duncan McKinnon, said the innkeeper's wife. He came here nearly one year ago, wanting to make his home here in our town. Imagine a giant living with decent folks like us. We ran him out of town, said one of the merchants, but now he lives in a cave on Ben Cullen. Every day he comes down here to steal our food and frighten our wee bairns. <laughs> no one can rid us of this animal, said the innkeeper. But surely he only acts like an animal because you treat him like one, said Rabbi. If you were to treat him like a king, then he would act like a king. An angry mutter rumbled through the crowd. Treat him like a king? What foolishness! They scoffed. But there were some who nodded and smiled at Rabbi's words. He could be right, they said. And one of the king's counsellors, who was in the crowd, hurried off to tell the king what he had heard. As the people argued back and forth, into the town rode the old king himself. You will do as the lad says, he commanded. Tomorrow you will treat this giant like a king. Sing to him, dance for him, and offer him gifts. Then bring him to me, and I'll decide what is to become of him. Go now, make ready for a royal giant. And so the people hurried off to obey their king, while Rabbi returned to his room at the inn. In the morning, Rabbi awoke to the sound of bells ringing from the steeples. Out in the streets, he saw flags flapping from the rooftops and ribbons streaming from the windows. Here comes the giant, called the boy who was sitting in the branches of an oak tree. Rabbi watched the giant as he pounded up the hill with his red face twisted into a tight knot of anger. Roaring and bellowing, the giant thundered through the streets. But today, the people stood in their doorways and they bowed down as he passed them by. Hail, gracious giant, they cried. Soon, the giant's roars lowered to a muffled rumbling and his heavy pounding slowed to a steady march. Clusters of children scrambled into the treetops and showered him with blossoms. Bless our gentle giant, they cried. May his life be long and happy. Rabbi, who ran alongside the giant, saw his face crinkle now into a faint, shadowy smile. When they reached the town square, Rabbi bowed to the giant and said, Rest now, gallant giant, rest and eat. So the giant sat beneath the shade of a sycamore tree, while the townspeople brought him jugs of milk, trays of fruit and honey, and platters of plump roast chickens. Then they brought out their pipes and their fiddles and their flutes, and they began to sing and dance. 
all through the day as sunbeams toppled through the leaves, Rabbi and the giant watched the people swirling and whirling in a great flurry of delight. Do they really dance for me? The giant asked, turning to Rabbi, and his voice was deep and low like the rumble of a waterfall. Oh, yes, replied Rabbi. It is all for you. And the giant's face crumpled in a wide, floppy smile. The afternoon shadows lengthened. The sun began to sink beneath the jagged peaks of Ben Cullen, and in the purple glimmer of twilight, the children gathered around to sing their last song, a cradle song, soft and slow and sweet. Rabbi watched the giant's eyes flicker shut as he fell into deep sleep. A cool breeze now ruffled the leaves, and a wee lass, seeing the giant begin to shiver, took off her coat and ran over to him. <gasps> Poor giant! She whispered, see how cold he is. And she tried to cover him with her coat, but of course their coat was so tiny that it barely covered the giant's enormous hand. She called to her friends, and soon all the children and their mothers and fathers as well were peeling off their coats and their shawls, tying them together. They made an enormous patchwork quilt which they flung across the giant, covering his chest and shoulders. Sleep now, gentle giant, said the child, as she kissed his rough red cheek. In the morning we will bring you our gifts. As the children turned to leave, Rabbi wiped away a tear that trickled down the giant's face. Then he pressed his cheek against the giant's mouth, and he breathed in one long, deep breath after another. Finally he stood up and hurried back to his room at the inn. All night, Rabbi worked on his gift for the giant. By the light of fire and candle, he carved and chiseled until his eyes stung, his fingers ached and his heart throbbed. In the morning, he picked up his carving and hurried off to the town square. There sat the giant, surrounded by swarms of people, bringing their gifts of fruits and flowers and honey. I too have a gift for you, Rabbi cried. The giant's eyes opened wide in wonder as he held Rabbi's carving. This looks like me, he gasped, but it cannot be, for this is a king sitting on a throne with a crown and a cape. Rabbi smiled. But it is you, he said, for I carve not what is, but what can be. Then clapping his hands, he shouted, quickly now, a crown for our giant king and a cape. At once the children gathered armfuls of bluebells and wove them into a circle. Then scrambling into the treetop, they placed the purple crown on the giant's head. The woman scooped up the patchwork quilt of coats and shawls, and they too clambered up the tree and draped it over the giant's shoulders. Laughing and shouting, all the people followed the giant as Rabbi led the procession to the king's castle. But at the gates of the castle, Rabbi stopped in alarm. For there stood the king with his whole army behind him, their sharp swords glinting in the sun. Halt! shouted the king. How dare my own people treat this animal as if he were a king? I will punish them for their treachery. And he raised his arm as if to give the command to attack, but the giant flung himself before the king. No! he bellowed. You will have to slay me first before you lay a hand on these people. They are my friends, and they have loved me well. At once the king flung down his sword, and he laid his hands on the giant's shoulder, 
and said, Arise now, noble giant. Indeed, you have proved that you can act like a king, for only a king would lay down his life for his people. And now you must come and live here in our kingdom. And so it was that the giant came to live in the king's own castle. And after some years, when the old king died, the people made the giant their king. Arabi returned to his father's shop where he continued to carve the finest figures in all the land. Now and then, a passing traveller would stop and ask him, Aren't you the lad who made that giant into a king? But Rabbi would only smile. Oh no, he'd tell the stranger. He was always a king. I only discovered what was hiding there in his heart all along. So, you might not be familiar with the name Rabbi, but Rabbi is a very popular Scottish boy's name, and it's short for Robert. I wonder, did you have a favourite part of this story? When you take a moment and write down what it was, or share it with someone, and then I'm going to tell you my favourite part. Are you ready? My favourite part was where the little girl tried to cover the giant with her coat, and after she discovered it was too tiny, she called to her friends, and soon all the children and their parents were taking off their coats and their shawls, and they tied them together to make that huge patchwork quilt. And that made the giant feel loved and welcome. It's my favourite part because it's the children who are the ones that believe in the giant. It's the children who make him feel loved and welcome. It's the children who are kind. We don't need to be a grown-up to be kind. So this month, when many of us will celebrate Christmas, it's a time where we're called to be especially kind to everyone, but especially to those who, like our giant, feel unloved or unwelcome. Mums and dads and all you grown-ups, if you enjoyed this story, you can buy the book at a discount if you go to the publisher's website at www.cwla.org. Go to their publications page and you'll find it there. It makes a great gift for spreading Christmas kindness. You can also check out a great activity for making a kindness cloak at my website, www.kathleenpelly.com. Cheerio then. Join me next time for Journey with Story. <laughs>